It is wonderful to be back on Search the Scriptures today with all of our listeners. We appreciate you so much tuning in to this radio program. And we pray that you are getting the point that this is not just a radio program. It is not just a, a, a filling a time slot. It's not just something to, to do as an activity. But we're here to try to help you come to understand better the teachings of God's Word thereby enabling you to be able to make a better, a more informed decision as to what you're going to do about God's will for your life. We pray that you continue listening, that you encourage others to listen, and we'd love to have you come and visit with us in person at the Sunny Slope Church of Christ right here in Omaha. It's good to be here today along with Dwayne Kennedy. Thank you, Gary. It's good to be here with you and on this program again with our listeners, always encouraged to be a part of this study. It's also good to be here with Dennis Stackhouse. Thank you, Dwayne and Gary. I'm certainly honored to be part of the program as always, and I'd like to welcome the listeners as well. If you've been with us for a long time, we're certainly pleased. If you're maybe tuning in for the first time, we hope, as you mentioned, Gary, that you'll find Search the Scriptures gives you an opportunity to really get into God's Word and perhaps understand more about it than you ever have. Amen. Well, what a blessing that would be. Wouldn't it, though? Yes, it certainly would. Now, we want to remind our listeners that they can always receive a copy of today's program or any of the programs on Search the Scriptures for free just by contacting us and asking for them. We'll put them on CD. We'll send them to you. We'll take care of the postage. We don't want that to cost you anything whatsoever. We just want to get the word out. So if you would like to receive a copy of any of our programs, just contact us and ask for them, and we'll get them to you. Now, fellas, we are looking at the last section of this study, asking the question, what if you had only 24 hours to live? I know, and we've talked about this repeatedly, that this is not the kind of subject that really makes a lot of people comfortable. Yeah. Not something a lot of people want to be thinking about on a regular basis. In fact, a lot of people want to push it out of their mind just about as long as they can. Yes. Mm -hmm. And yet, as certainly as somebody is alive, just as certainly they're going to die. Death is as much a reality of life as is life itself. Yes, it is. Right. Now, as we've said, now, of course, unless the Lord comes again first, but at that point, that'll be the end of their physical lives. Mm -hmm. But what do you do with that? We need to come to realize that this is a reality and that we need to get ready for it. That's right. And it's more than life insurance, which uh, we do to take care of people after we die. We need to take care of our souls after we die. Well, and that we're talking about spiritual or eternal life insurance. That's right. Mm -hmm. And God has given us the policy, hasn't he? That's right. Through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. Now, we need to take that policy. Let's turn to Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 27. And Dwayne, how about reading that for us? And as it is appointed for men to die once, but after this the judgment. It is appointed for men to die once. We closed our last program talking about this particular passage. Yes. Now, this is not a chance. It is not something that might happen. This is something that is going to happen to everybody. That's right. It is appointed that they're going to die. Mm -hmm. 
Now we compared this back to Genesis chapter two and verse 17, where God warned the first man and woman while they were still in the garden of Eden, do not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil for in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Mm -hmm. In the third chapter, they disobeyed God and they mm -hmm. ate of that fruit of that tree. Mm -hmm. And in verse 19 of Genesis chapter three, God pronounced in very stark terms, you are taken out of the dust, you're gonna to return to the dust. And you know, Gary, that whole account, I think really highlights and emphasizes the terribleness of sin. You know, when Adam and Eve were in the garden and God gave them the prohibition not to eat from this particular tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, it wasn't as if they didn't have other food to eat. No. They weren't starving. They weren't destitute. They had other sustenance that they could turn to there in the garden. And yet, we find Satan and temptation entering the picture there, first with Eve and then with Adam, and they succumb to it. And isn't it amazing how skillful the devil is to tempt us in that kind of way. Right. Such that we desire that which is prohibited, even bearing upon ourselves or bringing upon ourselves the consequences of such actions. Yeah, yeah. How many times has somebody said, you know, if you tell somebody they can't have something, that's just going to make them want it all the more. Yeah. <laughs> that's the devil working on them. Yeah persuading them to want it all the more. And they're giving in to the temptation. And he can make it look so attractive. Oh, my. You know, as you, you go back again to that account in Genesis, as the devil is speaking with Eve, you know, he, he basically tells her, you know, if you eat of this fruit, you're going to be like God. Right. Yeah. Boy, how appealing is that? Yeah, yeah, and then... It's, the text goes on and says there in Genesis chapter three that she saw, at least her perception was, that this fruit was good for food mm -hmm. and desirable to make one wise. Exactly. Now, see, that was her perception. Mm -hmm. And again, responding to the devil's temptation. Mm -hmm. But she bought the temptation and she committed the sin. That's right. And physical death is a consequence stark consequence mm -hmm. of that sin, of sin in general. Now let's turn to Acts chapter 17. And Dennis, how about reading verses 30 and 31? Truly these times of ignorance God overlooked, but now commands all men everywhere to repent, because he has appointed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by the man whom he has ordained. He has given assurance of this to all, by raising him from the dead. So I'm not sure I fully understand what verse 30 is, is saying. Apparently, the best I can do is say, apparently there was a time before Paul wrote this, and this has been written 2,000 years ago approximately. Apparently there was a time before that, Old Testament days, when to some extent, in some way, God apparently tolerated ignorance more than he does today. Yes. Now, whatever that means and however he did that, the very next verse tells us 
that is not the reality of today. Mm-hmm. Because he says, but now he has commanded, uh, at the end of verse 30, but now commands all men everywhere to repent. Mm-hmm. So we cannot fall back on ignorance today. We no. cannot say God's going to tolerate that today. Paul says he's not going to mm-hmm. tolerate that any longer. Right. And then verse 31 and this really pertains to our, our, our study here. He has appointed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by the man whom he has ordained. He has given assurance of this to all by raising him from the dead. Now, back in Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 27, we read the Hebrews, where the Hebrews writer said that it is appointed for man to die once. Mm-hmm. So that's an appointed action that is going to be taking place. Man's going to die. Mm -hmm. But then he went on and said, and after this, the judgment. Mm -hmm. Now, the judgment is as stark a reality as is physical death. That's right. Mm -hmm. And in verse 31 of Acts chapter 17, Paul tells us that so certain is that day of judgment that it's going to happen, that it's going to come to pass, that God confirmed it or assured mankind that it's going to happen by raising Christ from the dead. Yes. Mm-hmm. Part of what was accomplished in the resurrection of Jesus Christ on that third day after his crucifixion was the assurance from God to all of mankind for all time that Christ is coming back on a day on which he is going to judge all of mankind. That's right. Mm-hmm. That time is going to come. Yes, it will. Now, again, if we need to get ready for physical death and we take all kinds of precautions, we go to doctors, we try to be careful, we have exercise regimens, we watch what we eat, all those kinds of things. If we try to take precautions against physical death, then we need to be even more prepared for what comes after physical death, and that is the judgment. That's right. The judgment. And it's a daily walk. It's a daily preparation. A lifestyle. And we do think about it every yes. day. We, we need to live our lives pointing toward that time. We really do. Now we come back to our scenario that we've been looking at throughout this course of study in the previous three sections of this study. We ask that question, now, what if you went to the doctor, you had some physical problem, the doctor ran a battery of tests, a few days later the nurse calls you and says, you have such and such disease, and there is no cure. It is 100% fatal every time. And in your advanced state, you have only 24 hours to live. All of a sudden, the stark reality of death would become even more stark, wouldn't it? Yes. Right. You know, and as we've said many times already in this series, Gary, all of us reach that point but the vast majority of us don't know we've reached that point. That's right. 
We've got to, we've got to realize every one of us will come to that day when we're in our last 24 hours. And we need to be ready to meet God when those 24 hours are ended. And we're not going to look at it as some kind of morbid reality that we need to put aside and not think about. We're going to be thinking about it the whole time. And we really would do well. You know, we're not, we're not doing ourselves a service by putting the reality of our ultimate physical death out of our heads all of the time. We're not doing ourselves a service for that by doing that. That's, that's simply opening the door for us to be ill-prepared for that time. The best thing we could do, and I'm not saying we need to dwell on it, as you said, in a morbid way, Dwayne, but day after day. But I, what I'm saying is we need to live our lives with the realization death is coming and eternity follows death. And I need to be ready for eternity. Right. Yeah, and if we don't understand that from a physical standpoint, Gary, we're just not paying attention. I mean, in this country alone, I don't know the statistics on how many people physically die every day, but it's got to be staggering. Yes. It's a reality that we cannot possibly miss. Yeah, the, the statistics, I'm sure, would be staggering. And then if you took the same statistics in view of the world population, it would even be, be even more staggering. It yes. would. By natural causes or the evil that men do to others or to themselves, people die in great numbers every day. Mm-hmm. Great numbers. So it is a reality. Now, what if you knew that you had only 24 hours left? We've looked at this from three different scenarios to this point. We've asked the question, what if you knew that you had only 24 hours to live and you knew that you were not a New Testament Christian, that you were not what God wants you to be? Well, ultimately, we concluded we'd do everything we could during that last 24 hours to become what God wanted us to be, wouldn't we? Yes, certainly. We'd be finding somebody to talk to, a preacher, mom or dad, somebody we knew who was a faithful, dedicated Christian who could help us understand, what do I do? I've got only a day left. I need to get ready, and I'm not ready. Mm-hmm. Now, the same thing would be for a Christian. The second scenario, a Christian who had become unfaithful. Mm-hmm. He had gone back into sin. He had turned away from God to a degree that he had become unfaithful. And now he finds out, I've only got 24 hours to live. What do I do? Well, again, he'd be wanting to talk to somebody, wouldn't he? Oh, yes. And almost undoubtedly, he would realize, man, I've messed up. (laughs) I was forgiven. I was saved. I was with the Lord. I was walking with God. And I turned my back on all of that. (laughs) And he'd know. I've got to get it turned around here again. I've got to do whatever I need to do. He'd be doing some heavy praying, I bet, at that time. I would think. And again, he'd be wanting to talk to somebody, mama or daddy or some faithful Christian, a a preacher, somebody who could help him get ready during that last 24 hours. Yes, he would. Now, the third scenario we looked at had to do with a person who found out he had only a day left to live. 
And he was faithful. He was dedicated. He had lived the life. But he knew somebody, maybe a number of somebodies, who were not ready. Mm-hmm. And in, in reality, I mean, basically, he, he was pretty certain they were not ready. And he'd been meaning to talk to them, been wanting to talk to them, but he'd never quite gotten around to it. Right. Or maybe he talked to them a little bit and then maybe they put him off, um, something else intervened and he wanted to get back to them, but he had not gotten back to them yet. And now he had only 24 hours left to live. What would he do about that person or those people that he knew were not ready themselves to face death and then the judgment thereafter? I suspect a lot of people facing that kind of scenario would want to try to get a hold of those people. Want to help them. Yeah, at least spend some of his last 24 hours trying to reach out to them and get across to them how serious their situation is and how potentially disastrous it is if they don't change their lives. Right. Well, this fourth scenario, and this is the final one that we're going to look at in this series. What if you found out you had only 24 hours to live and you were ready? You'd, to the best of your ability, to the best of your knowledge, you had lived your life faithfully before God. You had turned to your Lord and Savior in repentance. You'd openly confessed your faith in Him as your Lord and Savior and God's Son, and you had been buried with him in baptism for the remission of your sins. And thereafter, to the best of your understanding, you had lived a faithful life before your Lord and your God. Now, if you did make a, a mistake along the way, if you had drifted into sin, you came to realize it, and you repented of it, and asked God's forgiveness in prayer, and you had As far as you could understand, you had lived that life as you should live before God as a faithful, dedicated, committed Christian. And now you've got only a day left. How should, or perhaps we want to ask it this way, how can you face that last 24 hours? Totally different from all those other three scenarios. Yes. It is. Totally different. A whole lot more positive. Mm -hmm. Let's turn to Revelation chapter 7. Revelation chapter 7. And how about reading verses 16 and 17, Dwayne? They shall neither hunger any more nor thirst any more. The sun shall not strike them nor any heat. For the Lamb who is in the midst of the throne will shepherd them and lead them to living fountains of waters, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. What glorious words and understandings are conveyed in those passages. Comforting. Oh, my. They shall neither hunger anymore nor thirst anymore. Think about that. A lot of hunger in this world right now, isn't there? Yeah, there is. Now, maybe none of our listeners go hungry. Maybe they never have. But certainly, there's a lot of hunger out there, even in this country of such abundance. Mm -hmm. And certainly, when you get beyond the borders of this nation and you go into some parts of the world, hunger 
is a reality of life. Yes, it is. Yes. There are always and continually, and there will always will be, I believe, until the Lord comes again, famines and droughts and pestilences that go there with. That's part, again, that's part of human existence in this world. But for the person who's ready for that last 24 hours, ready for physical death, that person who is prepared, oh, they're going to be in heaven. Mm -hmm. And there they will experience no hunger. That's right. No thirst. These are promises. Promises that we can hang our hats on. That's right. That are absolutely assured. Promises that ought to keep us going. Maybe we should say they're promises that ought to get us going and then keep us going. Right. And, and look at even beyond that, it says, the sun shall not strike them, nor any heat. Now, I'm not sure we, we, we know exactly how to understand that in all of its depths, but apparently the idea is that the discomfort of such, that's not, even that's not going to be there. For the Lamb who is in the midst of the throne will shepherd them and lead them, and look at this wonderful description, to living fountains of waters. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Let's stop at this point. Let's come back and talk about this particular passage a little more next time. We want to encourage our listeners, contact us and ask us for that free Bible study so that you can look forward to eternity with all of the expectation and anticipation that is expressed in these two passages of Scripture. 